0: I'm going to begin reading in verse 1 and we'll read on through verse 8. So Nehemiah chapter 2 beginning in verse 1, we'll read on through verse 8. It says, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan and the twentieth year of Artaxerxes the king that wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad? Seeing thou art not sick, this is nothing else but sorrow of heart Then I was very sore afraid and said unto the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers lieth waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, for what dost thou make requests? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said unto the king, if it please the king and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, for how long shall thy journey be, and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, if it please the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come into Judah. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for gates of the palace uh, where uh, which I pertain to the house, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. let The good hand of my God is what I titled the message tonight, and as I was putting this together... Uh, I got to start thinking about some things about how easy it is to complain sometimes. How many of you would agree that it's easy to complain sometimes about things, and it's easy to get on that path and go down that path? Um, And to solve problems is difficult, isn't it? And so people get paid good money in our country today to solve problems, and uh, and some people are good uh, problem solvers. And when I thought about this, uh, through the wisdom of God, men can solve problems uh, and the difficulties that we face, but we have to learn to do it by his power rather than by our own strength. And a quote uh, that I want to share with you, Winston Churchill is attributed with this quote, quote, but it says, success is not final, failure is not fatal, it is the courage to continue that counts. And sometimes in discouraging times, you have to continue on, you can't. Allow that discouragement to dictate what you're going to do. And so in discouraging times, are you continuing on and forging ahead? I believe in continuing on in difficult times, and often the ways of the Lord are very different than the ways of man. And sometimes they're faced with great tasks, and it can become discouraging at times, but what we have to do is rely upon God in those times that are so uh, heavy at times. God has the courage to help you overcome when you trust in him, for the outcome. And I believe that that's exactly what we have to do. Oftentimes we have to trust God for the outcome of something. Just because we can't view the end or we can't see the end doesn't mean God's not working uh, through uh, situations for us. So the challenge for us is this, as I went through this particular portion of Nehemiah and, and I got to thinking, it is, it is in times of discouragement, are you counting on the good hand of God to carry you through? In times of discouragement, do you count on the good hand of God to carry you through? Now, we talked about the fact that we should be in the Word daily, and it'll help you from being discouraged. You should be praying daily. It would help you uh, stop from being discouraged. Uh, It'll keep you motivated, and, and it's not complex. It's very simple to do those things, but those are the things, the fundamental things, the basic things that we walk away from. And then complications enter in, and discouragement enters in, and discontentment enters in, and those kinds of things begin to happen. But we see here a man who uh, he wanted to uh, not turn things over to himself, but turn things over to his Lord. And I ask you tonight, in discouraging times, are you counting on the good hand of God to carry you through? And I don't believe it's ever the Lord's desire to have us discouraged. And I don't believe God ever wants us under our circumstances I hear folks say on a regular basis, you say, well, how's it going? Well, under the circumstances. I do not believe we ought to be under our circumstances. We ought to walk above our circumstances. We ought to be above them and not underneath our circumstances because we serve the God, the great King of heaven. Amen? And the God that we serve doesn't want us to be under our circumstances. He wants us to rise above them. And to rise above it, it's by His power and His might and by the strength of the Holy Spirit that resides in us. We have God in us because if you are saved, the Holy Spirit resides in you. So we do have God who's residing in us. And I want to ask you, is God a God of discouragement or is God a God of encouragement? Does God want us to forge ahead? Does he want us to continue on or does he want us to fall back and become stale and stagnant in our Christian life? And I can't believe for a moment that he gave us his spirit that we might become stale and stagnant in our Christian life. I think he wants us to forge ahead. There's a couple of things I want us to look at tonight, and two actions that change the course of a difficult circumstance, especially here for Nehemiah. One of the things is turning unto the king. Now, in this particular case, he's dealing with an earthly king, and he's turning unto the king. But also, I want you to understand that in all of this, he took his situation to God in prayer. And at that moment in time, and we can go back and we can look, this wasn't just that moment in time that he prayed, but he had prayed prior to that. He had already gone in and he had fasted and he had wept and he had mourned and he had prayed. And we see at this moment, you see a moment where he knows that the possibility of what could actually happen to him by expressing his sorrow of heart to this king, that he could actually lose his life over this. And at that moment, he prayed to God. But I don't think Nehemiah prayed about his life at that moment. I think he prayed that his request would be answered by God and that he would be able to go and do what God had tasked him to do. When you think about this, turning unto the king, when something you care about a great deal gets destroyed, it can bring sadness at times. It can bring sorrow. Uh, I remember when I was young, uh, there there are items that I would keep in my room. I had this little uh, red case. How many of you remember the... Uh, little penny cases that you'd keep. You'd squeeze them. You could put change in them. You know what I'm talking about? And they're like an oval shape, and you'd squeeze them open. You'd keep your change in there and that kind of stuff. Well, I had uh, some items. Uh, For whatever reason, I don't know why I kept it, but I had a dollar bill that had turned orange. And uh, I don't know how it turned orange. I just know that I had it. It was inside that case. Inside that case I had a uh, Kennedy half dollar. How many of you remember those? And it was a it was actual silver dollar, and you know how you knew it was real silver? Because if you took a magnet and stuck to it, guess what a magnet won't do? It won't pick up the silver. (laughs) You understand if there's metal in it, guess what it'll do? So you'll know whether you have a real silver dollar or not. So I had a uh, half dollar in there, a Kennedy half dollar in there, I had some other little items that I had collected over time, and it was just a little uh, thing that I had done, and it came up missing. And of course, no one knows where it is, no one knows what happened to it, no one knows how it disappeared, no one knows. And I remember the sorrow that I felt, I thought, man, I had some really neat items inside there. I had an old wheat penny, how do you remember the old wheat pennies? I had an old wheat penny in there and, and just different little things that I had. And, uh, and so, you know, it meant something to me. And I never found it. I don't know where it is. I don't know where the stuff is. I don't know what happened to it. I know where it was. I don't know where it is today. <laughs> and, and so sometimes sadness or sorrow. And how do you overcome it when you have something that's seemingly out of your control and you can't fix it? And sometimes there's things out of our control that we just can't fix now, when I think about this, sorrow is a very heavy word here, and sorrow is <clears throat> deep, deep heaviness is the idea here. And so sorrow is a heavy word, and at times all of us reach a point of great sadness in our life, but this sadness was over, over the condition of the city of God. It wasn't a personal sadness. It wasn't a personal sorrow. It was a sorrow over what had belonged to God and how it was in ruin, and that city belonged to God, that place belonged to God, and, and the sorrow of heart that Nehemiah had wasn't a selfish sorrow, I don't believe at all. I believe his sorrow was over the loss of that city, the, the desecration of that city, the condition of the city whom he loved, and it was his God's city. And what you can do is revert to feeling sorry for yourself, but I don't see that. But what he wanted to do was come up with a solution. And I believe whenever Nehemiah, back in chapter 1, when he began to weep and mourn, and he fasted and he prayed, I think at that moment in time in his mind, he was trying to figure out, God, how is this going to happen? What is going to happen? And God decided to use Nehemiah because that sorrow of heart he felt was not a selfish sorrow of heart. It was a sorrow of heart for what belonged to God. And he wanted to do something about it. And sometimes the condition of the ministry is tough, and sometimes it could get in rough shape, and you know, people depart from the ministry at times, and we can allow ourselves to become discouraged over those things. And we're wondering, why did this happen, or what happened, or who's to blame, or what's the fault, or what's the purpose? And, and we can allow all of those types of things to enter into our minds, and yet <clears throat> we have a great God sitting on a heavenly throne, amen? He knows exactly what's going on around us. As you think about this, sorrow comes because we do not understand what happened, and we can get discouraged and think it will not be something that we can overcome. And quite frankly, no, we cannot. (laughs) We cannot overcome it, but God can help us overcome it. God teaches us in the scriptures, especially when you get to the book of Revelation, of how to become an overcomer. And so to overcome things, it's not a matter of sitting and sulking and going backwards. It's a matter of saying, okay, let's have some resolve. Let's solve the issues. Let's solve the problem. Let's forge ahead. Listen, uh, not that I've apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, Paul told us there are things you can get your mind on, good and bad, behind you, and it can stop you from forging ahead. And I believe what's happening here, this sorrow of heart he had, was he did remember the condition of the city, and now he sees the desecration of the city, and his sorrow of heart came as a result of what happened to what belonged to God. And he wanted to see a change. Notice what Nehemiah did when his countenance or his spirit and attitude was seen by the king as nothing but sorrow of heart. When you look at that, he said, Then I was very sore afraid. He was fearful because he understood that this might not happen now because there's a possibility that my life could be taken. And when, when he says he's sore afraid, he understood that when he told the king what was going on, by the way, the king was the one that demanded that this all happen, that it, it continue in this vein. And yet, here's Nehemiah standing before him now and saying, you know, by the way, king, let the, let the king live forever, amen? But here's what we have. We don't have an earthly king. We have a heavenly king, amen? One that we can actually turn to and know that he's there on our behalf. We don't have to be concerned if he comes to take us that we're not going with him to heaven. We don't have to be concerned that he's not on our side that way. We can sit back and think to ourselves, hey, I have a heavenly king that wants us to move forward. He's going to do the things that are necessary to help us accomplish that. Nehemiah knew the answer to the situation was not going to be himself, but if the king who had the power to make the difference was going to answer him. Now, listen, when we run into those discouraging times, when we run into those difficult times, whenever those hard times enter in, go to the king. Not your earthly king, go to your heavenly king. Go to the one who can really answer it for you and help you move ahead in those discouraging times. You know, as a pastor, and I know, Brother Setzer, you know what I'm talking about as a pastor. Uh, There are times we have sorrow of heart. It's heavy at times. And and, and our hearts break for people and situations and circumstances and all kinds of things enter into people's lives. As a pastor, you don't ever really leave the church. (laughs) You go home at night and you have people on your mind. You have thoughts about people and situations. And throughout a day's time, you guys have no idea how many texts I received today and the things that were on people's hearts. And obviously, you know, Patty going home was heavy for folks, but that's not all that happened today. There are folks that are all around us going through things, things that are on people's minds and on their hearts. And and, and listen, what has to happen is, is we want to try to help them. We want to encourage them. We want to strengthen them. And sometimes sorrow of heart can come in the ministry at times, and it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to just to quit, by the way. My dad, when I was young, he made me take the dictionary and, Wipe out the word quit. My dad told me, don't quit. And he said, forge ahead, son. Don't allow yourself to get discouraged. Now, it wasn't biblical at the time, but I do believe God wants us to forge ahead at times. He doesn't want us to quit. He doesn't want us to give up. He wants us to move ahead. When in sorrow of heart, if we really turn the ministry over to the king to help meet our needs, I know that we have a God in heaven who is good and a Christ who loves us, a Christ who will help us, amen? No matter what we're going through, no matter what's happening, we have a Christ who's there for us. When sorrow of heart or discontentment or discouragement set in, God's there to help move you on. I don't believe he wants us to become stale and stagnant. I believe he wants us to forge ahead. He wants his power, his strength to be what ignites us and keeps us going. And there are times that we become so weak spiritually, there is no place else to go. Am I right? You have no place else to turn. You know it is only God that's going to get you through this. And I'm not so sure my Heavenly Father is saddened by that, but maybe happy that we finally realize we need Him in this circumstance. We need him in this situation. To overcome, we have to proceed with biblical plans and a plan to work together and to encourage others and to attend uh, services and to share the gospel with others. And and, and in our times of heaviness, don't be afraid to to come to pastor and share, Pastor, my heart's heavy. Would you pray with me? Or I'm struggling with this or, or whatever. Listen, I think about you folks all the time. I can actually see where you're sitting, and Connie and Chris are sitting in the wrong seat tonight. And so, But but the thing of it is, is I can see this auditorium. It's unbelievable. I can tell you where uh, the Robins sit, right? I can tell you where Miss Kathy's going to sit, where Miss Pam sits. I mean, I can see it in my mind. Brother Rick, am I correct in saying that? You can tell where people sit in the auditorium, can't you? Yeah, you remember, don't you? And when they're not there, you know it. And sometimes it gives heaviness of heart. We care about these people. Now, I know that we can have a God in heaven who is there for us. And uh, God wants to help us through these times. When sorrow of heart comes, turn it over to the Lord. Uh, To overcome, we have to proceed with a biblical plan. Notice the words used here. I want you to get a hold of this tonight. Let's go up and look at a couple of words that were used here. He says, uh, it, it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now, I had not before time, not been before time, and notice what it says, sad. Sad in his presence. He was sorrow of heart. Wherefore, the king said unto me, why is thy countenance sad? The king recognized it. Now, how many of you can tell when someone else is upset or when they're sad? Especially your spouse. You know the looks on their face, don't you? You know what they look like. This king knew Nehemiah. When Nehemiah came out, he knew something was wrong with Nehemiah. Now let me tell you, a lot of times they would poison the king's drink if they wanted to get rid of him. And Here's the cupbearer standing there getting ready to feed the king. And he goes, hey, why is your countenance sad right now? And he could tell something was going on with Nehemiah. But there's a sadness, there's a sorrow of heart. He could see it on his face that that he was that way. Seeing thou art not sick. You're, You're not ill. What's wrong with you? What's happening to you here? This is nothing else. And notice what he said. The king knew so much about Nehemiah that he said, this is nothing else but sorrow of heart. He could see it on him. There was a sorrow there. And then Nehemiah says, well, you know, he became sore afraid. He was fearful. He, he understood that the king saw this. And then he told the king, he said, Listen, why should I not be when the sepulchers lieth in waste? The thing that it belongs to my God, it lieth in waste right now. And he said, I'm heavy over this. Now, discouraging talk, discouraging attitudes, discouraging thoughts, sometimes those are normal. Those things happen to us. Uh, you know, I, uh, Elise, the other day, she, she came home, and she went out. They were getting ready to go somewhere. Her and Emily were getting ready to go somewhere. She went out and went to start the car, and battery's dead. Well, that's not the discouraging part. I had to fix it. That's discouraging. <laughs> and if you've never been inside a Volkswagen Beetle, you'll understand that your hands must be much smaller than mine. Uh, you need hands like Caleb's got there. To get in there to do some things at times and 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 the thing of it is brother Chris have you ever had to ratchet where you only get one click it's uncomfortable isn't it because you know there's 45 clicks there so how many times you know and you look at that stuff and you're thinking to yourself this is getting discouraging and to get the battery out of that car if I could have just videotaped it for you folks to see what it took to get the battery out of that Volkswagen Beetle it was unreal I've never seen anything like it before in my life there was more plastic and more stuff, and more covers, and more things. And then there was a thing that wrapped the battery, and then the way they hooked the battery up, and how... And then I had to get down in there where they hold the battery in place, and you could only get a ratchet in there and get a turn. And you had to pull this whole screw out, or this bolt out, to get that plate off so you could pull it out. And I'm standing there thinking to myself, she probably doesn't even care I'm doing this. And what happens to you? What do you start doing to yourself? Go ahead. What happens to you? You start thinking what? Negative thoughts. You start thinking those discouraging thoughts. Discouraging talk, discouraging attitudes, discouraging thoughts are as normal sometimes. But how to overcome and take the biblical action to make change is hard. But it's possible through Christ. Now, the Bible gives us some powerful verses that we can use for discouragement. I'm not going to have you turn to all of these, but let me read them to you. And if you want, you can write these down. Many of us know this verse, but when the time to use it comes, how many of us use it? Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through who? Christ, which strengthens me. Not the strength that I have, but the strength of Christ is what strengthens me. It's what Christ has, not what I possess, but what he has that strengthens me. Let me give you another verse, Luke 18.27. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Amen? The things that are impossible with man are possible with God. There are things that God can do that man cannot do. Amen? The one who created the heavens and the earth. In Jeremiah 32, 17, talk about a young man that was discouraged at times. In in Jeremiah 32, 17, he said, Oh, Lord God. How many of you have been there? (laughs) I almost hear Jeremiah doing that. He says, Oh, Lord God. Behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by the great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Do you believe that tonight? There's nothing too hard for God. God can take us through whatever he chooses. Matthew 19, 26, and this is Jesus. Jesus said, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things were possible. So God is capable of doing all things. I believe when Nehemiah approached the king, he had that spirit, that he knew that he had to tap into God. Now, when your mind and eyes are on what men have done or are doing, try to refocus and look at how God used men to accomplish his work. When you think about it, can you imagine how discouraging it must have been for Noah at times, building an ark, when he's not building it on the river, (laughs) he's building it on land. And, and, and I don't know if you can imagine that in, in your head for a moment. Here's a man building this huge boat on land. Now, you think that wasn't discouraging at times as people walked by and saw this and mocked him and all of those things? And, and you consider this. What about crossing the Red Sea? Impossible for them to accomplish that at the time. And see, in our mind, we say these are stories. These are truths. Amen. Amen. The building of the ark was real. (laughs) That really happened. Noah really existed. Noah really did this over a period of time. And God really used Noah to accomplish that. But I can't imagine at times that Noah didn't get discouraged. And then you think about coming to to the Red Sea. Here you now have gotten out of Egypt. You're getting out of bondage and you approach the Red Sea. And here comes the Egyptian army up behind you. Who's going to help you? Who's going to to correct this? And and I've shared with you many times, it wasn't like, okay, guys, run to Lowe's and and let's get some tools here and let's get this bridge built so we can get across the the Red Sea. It's not how it happened. They had to count on God again, didn't they, to help get them across this most difficult time. When I think about defeating Goliath, think about that for just a moment. Here is an army of God... And, and men who were fearful to face Goliath, and here comes basically a child, right? And, 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 and they try to even put uh, Saul's armor on him to go out and defeat this giant. <laughs> They're going to let him do it. Let's see what happens to David if he goes and does it. And, and David goes out there with five smooth stones. Have you ever asked yourself, why did he only take one and he took five with him? I've always asked myself that question. Why did he have five smooth stones? What do you need five of them for? Because the way I see it in the picture, shh, And down he went. And there is the defeating of a giant. And God can even defeat the giants in our lives if we'll trust him. Consider the heart of Gideon for a moment and the outcome that God brought forth through a much smaller group than Gideon thought he needed. Let me me read this to you. You don't have to turn to Judges, but I'll read out some verses to you. Judges 6.13. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, Why then is all this befallen us? What's his spirit? Why is all this happening to us? If God's here, why is this not working out? Why are we in the condition that we're in if God is really with us? Now think about this. And where be be all the miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. What is the spirit of Gideon right now? What is his attitude? What is his heart like? God, what have you done to us? Why have you left us in this state or in this condition? Or why are things this way? What have you done? Why have you left us? Why have you forsaken us? Think about the heart of this man for a moment. If that's not discouragement, I don't know what is. Judges 7, 2. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. God said, hey, Gideon, I'm going to tell you what, you're going to go fight this battle, but I'm not going to give you the number of men that you think you need. I'm going to give you what I want you to have. Because if I give you more than what I decide you should have, you're going to take credit for what belongs to me. Verse 7, by the 300 men that lapped, will I save you? (laughs) 300 men that lapped, will I save you? And deliver the Midianites into thine hand. In Judges 8, 4, And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over he and 300 men that were with him, faint, faint of heart, exhausted, not really wanting to do this, yet pursuing them. And then he says in verses 11 and 12, And Gideon went up by the way of them that dwelt in tents, and, and I, I'm shortening it, and smote the host and discomfited all of the, the host. And then in verses 22 and 23, Then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rule thou over us, for thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. Who did the people say delivered them? Gideon did it. Now, I want you to hear this. Gideon wasn't a fool now. He's already flipped the fleece a couple of times. Are you with me? And he's already figured this thing out. And he's realized in his heart and in his mind, Hold on a minute here. And here's what happens. And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. God has to have the rule. Amen? God has to be in control. God has to take over. Now, the ministry and the of ministry is not brought about by an individual. And, 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 and the Lord does not gauge the success of a ministry based on numbers. God looks for the heart of men and women whose heart are right, spiritually. He's looking at you from the inside out, not just what you're doing on the outside. So to build a work that belongs to God has to be done by the power and the strength of the Lord, not by the charismatic man who indulges himself in taking glory away from God. We all know this psalm. How many of you know Psalm 127one I'll start to say it and see if you know this. Except the Lord build the house. Amen? Except the Lord build the house. What do they do if they do it themselves? They labor in vain, don't they? Except the Lord build the house, right? They labor in vain to build it. Except the Lord keep the city. Think about this now. The watchman waketh but in vain. And you see, it's not the White House that protects America. It's God. Amen? It's our Heavenly Father that protects our borders. We don't have to be concerned about Korea. We need to be concerned or our heart's right with God more than we need to be concerned about whether they're going to launch something. We need to have our hearts right with our Heavenly Father. Now, let each of us turn to our king and let him know what we want to be a part of, and that's a part of the solution. Don't be a part of the problem. Be a part of the solution. Be a part of, let's making this thing right, and have the desire to rebuild the work, and by the good hand of God, it can be accomplished. Take everything to the Lord in prayer. We were singing the song tonight. Take it to the Lord in prayer. How many of us really take all things to the Lord in prayer? taking it to the Lord in prayer. If you would really consider how often do I go to God in prayer, how often do I really take it to the Lord in prayer? Now, the reason I bring this up, look at verse 4. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I gave him my list. He says, So I prayed to the God of heaven. He didn't just say, Listen, king. He said, I stopped, I prayed. He thought about what he was about to say. Now I want you to consider this tonight. Taking the situation to God in prayer, Nehemiah had needs that had to be met. And if he was going to complete the task that the Lord had burdened him uh, with on his heart, and if he was going to complete it, he needed this king to help him. And so the Lord's first test was to have Nehemiah trust him and to make a request of the one who could take his life from him or take his spirit. <laughs> and say, hey, listen, I'm not doing anything for you. I'm going to take your head off is what I'm going to do. And God in that moment had Nehemiah come to him, and Nehemiah had to trust the Father of Heaven. Listen, he wasn't trusting in that earthly king. He was trusting in God. If he trusted in that earthly king, he would have handed him the list. He didn't. He trusted in the God of Heaven to fulfill the request and to watch over him as well. Now, Notice it's a request, but following the king's question, Nehemiah prayed to God, and the earthly king wanted to listen to the request, but Nehemiah, I believe in his heart, he ultimately knew who really was going to fulfill his request. You know, we can make requests of other people. We can ask someone, but do you understand it is really God that fulfills the request? It is God that takes care of us. It is God that fulfills our needs. Uh, Listen, if you have a job, thank God for it. If you have some place to go to work and you have an income coming in, listen, thank God for that. God did that for you. God gave that to you. God allowed you to have that position. And you say, man, you don't know the job I'm at. I know God didn't give me this one. I want to tell you, if you got an income, you ought to thank the Lord. Amen? Any situation that you're up against, seek the wisdom of the Lord. You know, men have opinions, and some who always seem to have the answers as well, but men always have opinions. Everybody's got opinions. But do you just want men's opinions? Now, listen, there is wisdom in a multitude of counsel, without a doubt. But he's talking about godly counsel, too. But the fact is, is that what kind of wisdom do we really want to tap into? I, I just don't want men's opinions. The will of God in His direction far outweighs the direction and opinions of men. Therefore, pray for God's wisdom when moving ahead. I want you to jump ahead. I want you to keep your finger there. Go to James real quick with me. James chapter 3. James chapter 3. I want you to look at a verse with me in James chapter 3. And look at verse 17. James chapter 3 and verse 17. The Bible says, but the wisdom that is from above is first what? Pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. When you are seeking the wisdom of God, listen, sometimes men don't agree with you even when you're seeking the wisdom of God. God gives you wisdom at times, and sometimes men disagree with you. It doesn't mean that God's wrong or that the wisdom that you received is wrong. Sometimes you still have to stand your ground. and you have to stick with it. Now here's what I believe in my heart. There is a peace of God. There's a peace of God that passeth all what? understanding. There is a peace of God that passeth all understanding. And sometimes people don't agree with you, but there is a peace that comes from above that's first pure, then peaceable, it's fully entreated. And when you begin to look at this, there are times when there's that wisdom that comes from God. And what I do, even when the loss goes on around me, I go back to that time where I prayed and I had the peace of God. Because there was a time where God gave me peace about it, and if He gave me peace about it, He never took the peace away. He gave me that peace, and therefore I run off of that. And whenever discouraging things start happening or discouraging talk starts happening or discouraging things start coming my way, I can't say, well, the peace of God's not with me anymore. No, he gave me that peace, and therefore that peace still exists. I just need to go back to the time in which he gave it to me. And sometimes chaos goes on around you. You say, Pastor, how do you get to that level? Do you think that when Noah was building that ark, that there were times when men were trying to discourage him, when Nehemiah is trying to rebuild this wall, where they're not discouraging men coming along, say, if a fox walk upon this wall, it's going to fall down. And there are people who are just in that mode on a regular basis that the best thing they know how to do is complain and discourage others. And that's what Sambalot and uh, Tobiah did. They were both in that discouraging mode, and you'll see this later on. But here's the thing. Take that situation to the Lord in prayer. Even as Nehemiah requested of the earthly king, we too are to make the request known unto the God of heaven, the God who can really fulfill the request. We need to take it to him. You're there in uh, James. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Verses you should be very familiar with, but it's good to look at them sometimes. Because once you see them and you hear them, it can make a difference. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall, that's a definite word, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I believe when Nehemiah was there and he prayed to the God of heaven, he realized that it was the God of heaven that was going to fulfill his request. It wasn't really that king. And he understood that. And he had a laundry list of things that he needed. And he had to get letters from this king. And he needed wood and he needed timbers and he needed ASAP to provide these things to him. And he knew that it was the God of heaven because once he said, I need all these things, and by the way, I also need this. And you know one of the things that he did? king wanted to know well how long are you going to be gone and he set him a time (laughs) he let him know he was coming back and I want you to think about this the request of all the needs then are given unto the king and the king granted the request but notice where Nehemiah puts the credit and the glory he says at the end and the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me it wasn't Nehemiah, and it wasn't that king. He realized the credit belonged to God. Here's what I challenge you with tonight. The granted request was given, but it was according to the good hand of my God upon me. So learn to turn to God for solutions and let the Lord grant you success. But when he does, when he does, do not forget to give God the glory the good hand of my God.